Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. Up next is a sermon from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Messages can also be downloaded at GrenadaChurch.com. Now, on to the sermon. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting at verse 17. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we were in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach. Verse 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sambalat and the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then I answered them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Look at your neighbor and say, Arise and build. Amen. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together, Lord, and pray for our church family that's not here today. We pray for those who are still under the weather or sick, and we've had some even have lost loved ones, Lord, this past week, and we just pray for them. God, keep your hand upon this church this morning. Give us understanding of your word by the Holy Spirit, and we'll be careful to honor and praise you. In Jesus' name we ask it. We say amen. If we look at the church, not just the lighthouse, you've got to be honest with yourself and see the church is not the powerful force it used to be in this nation. At one time, some of the older people remember in the 60s and 70s that the church used to be a very powerful force, maybe a little further back, maybe in the 50s. But now we, we're no longer that force we're, we are. And I don't mean to demean the church. I'm just telling you that some, the church has lost its force, if you will. And I don't believe, though, that we should hang on to past accomplishments and just reminisce. We can't look back at the 70s, 80s. I know in the 80s here in Grenada, Church of God has some very powerful revivals over at the Church of God in Grenada. Very powerful revivals were held. Uh, Chris Owensby was one of them. Give credit to where credit's due. I mean, the boy would go out when he was young. He's not a boy no more, but he would go out and hold revivals for two weeks at a time around here, and people just stopped what they was doing to honor God. It's just not so anymore. But, but, we can look to the past and draw from the lessons learned. And one of these goes way back. I want to carry you way back in time, not just the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I want to carry you back to the time of Nehemiah. It is a history of reconstruction when Jerusalem had lay in waste. It is an instruction in rebuilding. And I want to minister just a few moments about rebuild, the thought of rebuild. Around 570 B.C., all of Israel and Jerusalem had laid the waste. Uh, Many years even before that time, Israel, the northern kingdom, was the first to fall. Then there was a few tribes in southern Jerusalem that fell, and then ultimately Jerusalem, the last stronghold of the Jewish people, 
that fell also. And it was strictly or simply through disobedience. They brought in pagan gods. God had sent judges. He had sent kings. He had sent prophets many times to warn them. And they never would heed the warning. And ultimately, God said, I've had enough. And he allowed Babylonian Empire to come in and take these people captive. It was really more than them, but several nations had come against Israel and over a period of years had taken all the Israelites captive. Now, there they are in Babylon, and along comes a change of power. And the king Cyrus of Persia says, I want all the Jews to be able to go back home. I want you what we do have of the temple, the things that were plundered, you can carry them back with you. And they come in three waves. Uh, the first wave was under a man named Zerubbabel. And he laid the foundation for rebuilding the temple. And there were many years of uh, opposition there. There were some 14 years the people just quit. But about after 20 years, they rebuilt the temple. And 60 years after the completing of the temple, the next person sent back was Ezra. And he leads the second wave of the Jewish people back into Jerusalem. Now, Ezra noticed the people had allowed foreign ideas, foreign religion to intermingle in their society. And here they were. It was starting to happen again. The, the, everything was not even rebuilt. Much of Jerusalem still lay in waste. And here they go again, allowing idol to come in to their, to their land. God had called Israel to be holy and set apart, just like he does us. And he wanted them to be separate from their neighbors and other nations on earth. Not because of racism. And that's what people today will call the Bible. This is where they point to and saying God was being racist. That was not the idea. Here was the idea. He did not want to corrupt the bloodline of Jesus Christ. He wanted his people to be separate and holy from things going on in the world. And he still calls us to that today to be set apart from the world, not to be part of it, to be called his people. He said they would live in the land and enjoy the benefits of his favor. If they disobeyed and walked in their own ways, they would stumble, stagnate, and sooner or later they would fall. Then the final wave comes back to Jerusalem. So this is where our story is today. Nehemiah worked at the same time as Ezra. Ezra had come back, and here comes Nehemiah with the last wave of the Jewish people. And Nehemiah was known for something specific. You'll hear it many times. He was known for rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem to protect the city. He also worked with Ezra to enact a seven-day Torah reading. Now, what's the Torah? That's what you know is the first five books of the Bible. They had they found a copy of it, and they begin to read it to the people, and they begin to seek God. Nehemiah and Ezra both knew that they could rebuild the temple all they want, but if they did not rebuild the people spiritually and morally, that they would never succeed, and they would be right back where they were in captivity. Now Nehemiah was not only the rebuilder of the wall, but he was also, in the spiritual sense, the rebuilder of the people. So what lessons can we learn from Nehemiah today? I'm glad you asked. Lesson number one, we can rebuild through prayer. 
Nehemiah will weep, fast, and pray. How many Christians can honestly say, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but that we spend times of fasting and prayer and seeking God's face? If there's one desire a Christian ought to have is to draw closer to God. If you make a New Year's resolution, one of those resolutions, I believe, and it's okay to make resolutions, that's fine. New Year's a great time to do that. But I believe you should have a desire to draw closer to God than where you were last year. Now, I have come a long way since the drug days back in 2005 and beyond. But every year I say, God, I, I just feel like I'm empty. I've run out of where I was before, and now I want you to carry me to a next place. I want to know you in a deeper sense, Lord. And Nehemiah wanted this. He, 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 was, he loved God, but he was weeping and crying and praying and said, God, rebuild us. Help us do this. He praised God for his love and power. You know, sometimes when you don't even know what to pray, just begin to praise him. Amen. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his power. There have been many a times that not many preachers will admit to this, but I know. There's many days you sit down to pray as a pastor or preacher or evangelist and just feel empty sometimes. And when those days hit you and you don't know what to pray, just begin to praise him. I promise you, you'll feel the presence of God when you start praising God. And he cried, Nehemiah cried to God for help in rebuilding. If we don't cry out to God to rebuild this church in these last days, we will fail utterly. The church will cease to exist, my friends. Now, it may hang on for a while while the saints are still alive. But if we do not rebuild to the former glories of the church and what God intended the church to be, the church will not make it. D.L. Moody once said this about God. He said, every great move of God has been marked by a kneeling figure. And I found that to be true. Every time I've researched a revival, every time I've looked somewhere, I, I would even dare say that, um, I, well, I know it to be fact, and I've never asked him, but Chris Owensby, in those revivals that were held in Grenada, I promise you he spent time in prayer. He just didn't show up one day and God started you know, bless him and his spirit fallen. Somewhere along the line, somebody has prayed for God to rebuild and to revive. In a modern world, if, if things don't happen just this moment, though, boy, if they don't happen, surely God ain't in it. Oh, y'all, you didn't get this sanctuary done in a year, so God ain't in it. Well, you need to pick up your Bible and read it. Many times there's delays. We get impatient. We're wanting God to rebuild. Hang on. Keep praying and keep fasting. God is not far. And there, there are many times that God will cause us to wait. And God will cause us to pray and seek His face. This I do know about God, though. No matter what, God will not fail. God will not fail. God will never, ever fail. Oh, ain't nobody hearing me this morning. God's never going to fail in what He does. Amen. I don't feel very well this morning, but I get excited knowing that my God's never going to fail me. God will not fail you. God's never going to fail. I'm going to fail it sometime. Get ready for it. What are you doing, Brother Wilson? Not a thing, but I know who I am. I'm human, just like you are. Just like you are. At some point, we will fail, but God will never fail. Not one time will God ever fail. Prayer puts success 
within our reach despite the obstacles. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what the pastor's council thinks. It doesn't matter what the pastor thinks. It doesn't matter what the people think. It matters what God does. If he has plans to prosper something, hey, there may be times of delays. There may be obstacles. But just pick up your Bible and read it, and there's food for the journey there. There's always been obstacles in the past of God's children, but God has never failed to those that will seek his face and live according to his word. We can rebuild together. Hear me out. It can't happen alone. I can't stand up here and rebuild things that are broken down in this world by myself. Jimmy Swagger, Billy Graham, nobody could ever do this. There is always people called alongside to help. Nehemiah, Ezra, and Zerubbabel, if they had come by themselves, three people, to Israel to rebuild, it would have been a sad state of affairs. It had never happened. But there were people they encouraged to come alongside and help in God's work. They didn't get the ball rolling by themselves. The very, now watch this. The very people that held them captive, God used to rebuild the temple. I remember, I'll give you a little example of this. Bobby McLean, young black guy that I work with out at Copper's, and he come to me, and I, I've been pastoring a few years. He come to me with a question. He said that they had a, drug, a known drug addict, drug dealer, big-time drug dealer in Grenada come in their church, and he sat down, and th their church was in bad need of money. I'd been there to preach, and it was uh, a little, kind of like we were, or still are to an extent, they still needed things done to sanctuary, and they could have really used the money. And he took a wad full of money, this drug dealer, hundreds, and threw it in the offering plate. And a lady jumped up and grabbed the money and threw it back at him and said, we don't want your blood money. He said, what would you do? I said, if he comes back again, send him to our church. Yeah. Well, how, where do you get that? I said, would you agree with me that the people of Egypt were wicked and worshiping idols? Yeah. I said, now, let's fast forward when God carried them out of that land. What happened? I opened up the Bible and showed him that God caused the Egyptians to give them their silver and gold to send them out to help them. God will put some unusual people in your life to help you. I promise you. You stick around church long enough, you're going to see things you can't explain. You don't know how it's going to happen. But the very people that despise you, the very people that hate you, will be the very people God uses to help you rebuild. A long time ago in a medieval village, this story's been told different varieties over the years. There were three soldiers standing on the edge of town. And knowing what would likely happen next, a man of the village seen these soldiers, and he run back to the village. He said, y'all board everything up. We got soldiers coming in. I know what they're going to want. They're going to want all of our food. Well, the soldiers, they were in fact hungry, and they come into the village, and they knocked on the first door and said, excuse me, we need something to eat. Would you help us? Said, we don't have anything to eat. Went to the next door. Same thing. We don't have anything to eat. They went to the third door. And they would not even open the door for him. And one of the soldiers stands up and says, I have an idea. We'll make stone soup. So they go to one more door and knock. And 
They say, well, look, I'm not going to ask you for food. Could you give me simply a pot and some wood? And the villagers thought, well, surely there could be no harm in that. And they gave it to them and said, what are you going to do with it? They said, we're going to make stone soup. Well, they got really interested in this. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, one of the soldiers goes and fetches water, puts it in the pot. They get the fire started, get it boiling. He sets three stones down in the pot. Then one of the villagers gets curious and comes over and starts looking. And then pretty soon more villagers are gathering around. And one of them pipes up and says, well, I'm tired of standing around. Is there anything I can do to help get this thing going more? And one of the soldiers says, well, maybe if you would go get some potatoes, that would really help this stone soup. And they go get potatoes and throw it in there. And then another one thinks, well, what could I do to help Say well, carrots would probably be pretty good. They go and get some carrots. Next thing you know, they're bringing chicken, seasoning. They're making gumbo. Then after it was all said and done, after they had everything in, one of the soldiers stands up and says, it's finished, and shares the pot with everybody. You know, people, when you show interest, when you show I want to do something. I'm trying to find the right word here. When you show enthusiasm about something, they'll want to see what's going on at a minimum. And if they see a change in your life, if they see a benefit, they're going to want it. I noticed Angie posted about Anthony of celebrating three years. Amen. Of being off drugs. Now, he may not realize it, but there's people watching. He's making a stone soup. He's making a stone soup. He just don't know it. He knows it now. And when people see your enthusiasm, though, now if you're sitting there just all the time, you got a frown on your face, who won't anything like that? If you never talk about Jesus, if you never tell nobody the good news of what the change has happened in your life, if you never tell the testimony of where God brought you from, why would anybody want that? I wouldn't. You know what got me intrigued the most, I think, about Pentecost? When I went to the church and they would sing, one of the first songs they sung was that, I'm in a new world. And I, they couldn't sing to save themselves. I mean, the singing was horrible. I'm just being honest. Nobody else will be honest. It was just horrible. But boy, they would get in there and the Spirit of God would fall and it was music to my ears. I would watch these little ladies dance around with these handkerchiefs. They'd have to help them in the door and set them down. I almost to carry them like a quadriplegic. But when the Spirit of God hit them, man, you'd think they were Jesse Owens. Now, some of y'all younger kids don't know what I'm talking about, Jesse Owens, but he was a real famous track star years ago. Yet, I seen that excitement, and I wanted some of it. Amen? They were making a stone soup for me, and they didn't know it. And all those glorious uh, saints of God have gone on to be with the Lord. And I'm left here to pick it up and tell you today that, hey, Jesus can change everything about your life. Jesus can help us rebuild not only just the church, your life. Your life may be tore down today. Your family may be in shambles today and you don't know what you're going to do. As long as you keep serving the Lord the way the prescribed order of victory, that's the right way to say it, I promise you God will rebuild every part of your life better than you ever could imagine. Now, when, despite what the world says, I believe Christianity will not only remain 
but once again become a powerful force in this nation. The day's coming. I said it right here. This is not, I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. We have to be that people that stands for everything that is right in this world. Jesus, do you know, I, I want to give you a little fact here. This just popped in my mind. Do you know what the number one cause of death was last year? Number one cause of death worldwide, globally. Abortion. Abortion is the number one leading cause of death. Dear listeners of Power of the Cross Radio, we're reaching out to you today with a heartfelt request that can make a world of difference. Our mission to spread hope, faith, and inspiration relies on your generous support. For years, Power of the Cross Radio has been a guiding light, bringing you messages of love, healing, and spiritual growth. But to continue touching lives, we need your help. Your contributions enable us to produce quality content, reach wider audiences, and keep the message of faith alive. Every dollar you offer is an investment in nurturing souls and fostering a community of believers. Join hands with us today. Your offering, whether big or small, holds the power to transform lives. Together, we can ensure that the light of power of the Cross Radio continues to shine brightly. Visit our website at www.cross.radio to make your secure donation. Remember, it's not just a financial contribution, it's a step towards spreading love, hope, and the message of the Cross to those who need it most. Thank you for being a part of this incredible journey. Your support fuels our mission, and together, we can make a profound impact. Now, back to the message. Now, if just for that fact alone, the church has something to stand for. That a child has a right to life. You have a right to life. You have a right to life. And Jesus can give you that life. It's not a point about beating nobody up. It's not a point about getting a megaphone and screaming in their face. It's a point about just preaching the simple gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And things will take care of themselves. You know, Jesus built this church. My uh, wife told me, I, I was down Wednesday. She come in there and just, she wanted to cheer me up. She said, you know, your red-headed grandson told me something the other day I thought was pretty funny. And I said, what's that? She said, he, he come up to her and he said, it, what did Papa do at the church? I said, well, he's the pastor. Well, he's the boss. And my wife, without hesitating, told him this. No, he's not. Jesus is. Amen. I love that. I, I, that made me smile anyway. Jesus built the church. Not just a lighthouse. Every church that loves God out there, every church that sticks to the true Word of God, that was built by Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the church, and therefore it will remain. Pray fast like never before. I encourage you, if you can't fast, but for just maybe to lunchtime, not only will it do you good physically, I'm not a doctor, I'm not here to get into that, but it will bless you. It will bless this church. I'm not making it into a ritual, but it's time to pray and fast. It's time to pray and fast to seek God. Amazing things happen when you fast. I said amazing things happen when you fast. You don't believe me? Go without a meal or two. Your mind will get on Jesus quick. Preach over here just a minute. Y'all might not like eating over here as much as these folks do. I know when I... I better not say that. I better not point to nobody. Get myself in trouble up here. If you pray and fast, seriously, God will respond. It's like waving a smoke signal up to our Lord. Replete throughout the Bible, there's men and women of God that would pray and fast and seek His face. 
Believe God for the impossible in 2024. Believe Him for things you never thought possible. God can fill this sanctuary with new souls. God can break revival out in this church. He can do it in any church here in Grenada, Mississippi. Don't pray just for our church. We have brothers and sisters all over this county that need prayer too. Pray for the small churches. Pray for the big churches. We're not opposed to anybody. We may be a little different, but if we're preaching Christ and Him crucified, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them also. But asking God to prosper us is not heaping the things of the world to ourselves. Not the material things, but God prosper us with souls. If there's one thing we need so desperately in this last day, we need to see souls won to the kingdom of God. We need to see people saved. We need people to accept Christ as their Savior. Then all those other things we want. We want to get this thing finished. We want it to look nice. We want a full church. We want to have activities going on. We want something for the kids. I understand that and I'm all for it. 110%. I'm on board. I'm committed. And there's one thing that will get it. One thing and one thing only. You win souls to the kingdom of God. Everything else will fall in place. Y'all got the fellowship part down. Let's start winning them. This is one of the most peaceful times I've ever seen in this church. With no disrespect to anybody that's ever been here. One of the best times and we are primed and ready to do great things for God. Don't, don't discount the day of small things. I've seen 12 people turn the world completely upside down before. You've seen it too. The 12 disciples of Christ, they turned this world upside down for Jesus. And you are no different. You can turn this world upside down for Christ. We can rebuild through new commitments. Now in verse 18, Nehemiah said, let's rise up and rebuild. Let's rise up and rebuild. That commitment was linked to a challenge. We have a challenge before us in 2024 like no other year. To seek and save the lost or cease to exist. The church body, the mystical body of Christ will always remain. But don't kid yourself that a church, physical church like this can't shut down. They shut down all the time. I've never seen the pandemic of churches closes and pastors leaving the field like never before. Church of God does not have enough pastors to fill the churches that are empty. There's lay people stepping up to do the work till they can find a pastor. They're in, in the Baptist churches, I know one particular church here, it blew my mind. They, and it's a fairly good-sized church. blew my mind to know they have not had a pastor in two years. Be thankful, number one, for what you do have. But also, we have to get the next generation coming in. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I'm going to tell you that here in just a second. If we will be committed and empowered according to God's Word, we will succeed. Why? It's what I told you before. God cannot fail. God cannot fail. Maybe I should entitle this sermon, God cannot fail. Because God cannot fail. There's, a, there's something God cannot do and He cannot fail. He will never fail. God will never, ever fail. 
Now, the commitment that Nehemiah called for demanded the people's best. We have a problem in the church world. It's a lack of commitment. I'm not saying that there are not committed people. But there are also, just as well as there are committed people, there are many more that like to go and dip their toe down in there every once in a while, but don't like taking that plunge. I, I do a little, little bit, but ooh, I don't know. I might get hurt. Ooh, maybe I'll come up. Maybe just a little. My friends, it's time to stop that. It's time to plunge off in it. It's time to get off in that river of life and see what God has. I mean, I, I really didn't want to put a negative aspect for this, but as we look around the world, now they're not saying it, but we're virtually in World War III right now. Let me say it over here. We're virtually in World War III right now. There's some nasty things going on in this world. Ukraine and Russia, that's heated up like never before. Now Lebanon's joined the fight against Israel. We got Iran back and these rebels are disrupting shipping lanes. And that's, I'm sure there's other skirmishes going on that I'm not even aware of in my little, my little world that I know of. This world is basically at World War III and I don't know how much time we have left. I hope that my grandchildren get to be my age and they have a wonderful place to grow up in. That's my heart's desire. But I just don't know how much time we have left. And the times are serious and it seems like some of the saints aren't. I don't know if that's proper English, but that's what I said. Some just aren't serious. They could care less about the things of God. As long as it's not in my living room, as long as it's not affecting me and my family, my money, I could really care less. And that is not what God has called us to be. He's called, one of the hallmarks of Christianity is love. And the greatest way you can show love to another human being is share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it will change their life forever for the better. It demanded the best. I want you to notice something in Nehemiah 4 and 17. If you want to turn there. If not, I'll just read it to you. Something unusual happened in this time. They start rebuilding the wall. And they had people that were opposed to them the whole way. They had to literally take up a weapon with one hand and build the wall with the other. God's not called us to be weak. I'm not sure where people get this out of the Bible. Now, I'm supposed to love people. I'm supposed to give my, my commitment to people. But nowhere has God called me to be weak and lay down. God's never called me to that. If you want to debate that with me in the Bible, get your Bible and come on. I get a cup of coffee and we'll sit down and talk about it. We'll look at what God says, not what I think. God has never called us to be weak. They had to fight with one hand and they had to work with the other. Now, our weapons are a little different though. It's not a sword or a shovel or an ox goad. It's prayer and supplication and tearing down strong. My friends, prayer can shake this world to the ground. Prayer changes things. I have lost track of the times in my life that I've had trouble on the horizon and I begin to pray and I watch God work a miracle. There had been times I had absolutely no idea that I was, if I was even going to make it to tomorrow. And prayer changed things. 
Prayer will set the devil to flight. Prayer will change your life. Prayer will bring the, the, what you need from God. Prayer is how we communicate to God. You have an intercessor, one intercessor. His name is Jesus Christ. And he said, pray to the Father in heaven. And when we begin to pray to the Father in heaven, he hears our cry. If it meets up with his will and his ways and lines up with his word, God is going to answer that prayer. Start praying, God, put souls in my path to see what happens. Oh, you may not like it at first now. Oh, I get amazed at the churches. God, send us the drug addicts. And they come in the door. What are you doing here? God, send us the alcoholic. And they show up in a Christmas place smelling like Jack Daniels. I watched a man drunker than Cooter Brown. I don't know where that saying come from, but I'm going to say it. Drunker and Cooter Brown. Sober up at an altar. By the power of God. He could bear, I had to help him come in the church and keep from tearing stuff down. And I had to hold him like this. I had walked him, and I got him sit down. Of all things, a Christmas play. He got convicted at the end of it and ran to the altar and began to pray and cried out to God, sobered up just like that. My friends, God is able. Look at verse 19. Again in our opening text. The commitment Nehemiah called for ignored the critics. You know, we're going to have people tell you this is impossible. I hope not, but I mean... Within our own church, some people might say, you can't do this. You might not be able to do it. But if God has gave the instruction, don't you worry about what people said. Well, I'm chunk full of problems, Brother Wilson. God won't accept me. Sure he will. People won't, but God will. Now, I got a lot of faith in people here in this church that they'll accept whoever walks through that door. I know there's some churches where there's some mean, spiteful people, but that's not here. I have to leave them with God. I'm, but folks, God will take you and prosper you, but there is always going to be critics. Not everybody's going to love you. That's just the way life works. That's not really a biblical lesson so much as a lesson in life. Not everybody's going to love you, but you cannot listen to them. Listen to what they, they told Nehemiah. Here you have an Ammonite. You have a Syrian and you have an Arab. And they're telling Nehemiah, what are you doing? Why, why are you even going to attempt to rebuild this wall? Y'all are ignorant. I mean, do you not see everything laying in wait? You got people coming in to attack you. Attack you, you might as well not even going to try. You're going to look like a fool when you try to do this. Listen to Nehemiah's reply. One man stands up. The God... Of heaven. Whoo, what a statement. The God of heaven will prosper us. The God of heaven, hallelujah, will prosper us. I don't mean to sound like a cheerleader, but if it's so be it, I will. One bit, two bit a dollar. Everybody for Jesus, stand up and holler. 
That was old cheerleading. I don't even know what they do anymore. One bit, two bit a dollar. Boy, I'm getting ancient. But we have a God of heaven that will prosper us. And therefore, we His servants, listen, will arise and build. 2024, if we need a mission statement, I'm not much on mission statements, but boy, that would be a great one. What do you want to do in 2024, Brother Wilson? Arise and build. Arise and build. I know we got a physical building. We're going to finish this up this year. We got, we're fixing to get this baptistry in here and get this back done pretty soon. But outside of that, we could have a sawdust floor and build. Build with people. Build with souls. I like what he told them, though. Here's what you tell the naysayers. Don't you worry about it anyway. You don't have no part in this anyway. Don't worry about it. You're going to be negative like that? Don't worry about it. You have no say in this. God does. You can't dictate what God says or does. You can never change God's word. You can't stop his church. And I know you can't stop Brother Wilson from preaching. Because I will preach it. You just keep pouring the coal in the fire and I'll keep preaching it. I'm getting a little softer in my older day, but I will still keep preaching it. If you will keep helping, be committed, let's win these souls. You know, we first, though, to stand for something, and I'm about to finish, you have to know if you're on the side of right. Well, how do I know, Brother Wilson, if you're on the side of right? It's going to be hard for me to stand with you if you're not on the right side. And that's a very great question. That's what I want to know about a pastor. I've sat on the pews, and that's what I want to know. What are you preaching? And if it wasn't clear, I would ask questions. But most of the pastors I've been around, it was very clear where they stood, one side or other. You have to be on the side of the right. What's the side of right? The message of the cross is the only thing the church can boast about. We can't boast about programs. We can't boast about buildings, money, people, attendance, radio, whatever the case. <coughs> Excuse me. The only thing that we can boast about is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 and 14. God forbid that I should glory boast, save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can get a lot of things wrong. I can't sing a lick, but I'm going to try until God sends a singer. I may not play the best guitar, but I'm going to strum it to my heart's delight until God sends me a guitar player. And I know you're going to help me. And boy, that was good, Brother Wilson. Just encouraged me along the whole way. We could get the colors wrong. We may not be finished out in here. We may not have the best welcoming committees. We may not reach your neighborhoods like we should. And I could go on and on and on. But one thing we have to have right is the message. Once you got the message right, sooner or later, everything will fall into place because you're preaching the right message. We can stand when the message of the cross is proclaimed. Folks, for the lighthouse to remain, for us to be rebuilding in 2024, us to build, to build new, I'm not talking in the physical sense, I'm talking about the spiritual sense, 
We have to proclaim the message of the cross. At the very core of the message of the cross is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's wrapped around the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but us that are saved, it is the power of God. Let me show you a little example. Maybe an illustration might help. Not the best with words, but... Let's say these pencils represent the people of the church. But imagine the rubber band represents the Holy Spirit and these pencils represent the people. You know, you don't have the power of the Spirit of God wrapped around you the first time things start shaking. People start falling off to the side. Next thing, you don't have a church. But boy, when they're wrapped in the power of the Spirit... Shake that dude. You can do this with it. You can begin to praise God. You go up, go down. You can even fall. And look, it's still sticking. The power of the Spirit of God is what we have to stand on to rebuild in these last days. Don't ever think you've arrived. Don't just apply this to the church. Don't walk away and out of here today and say, boy, that's a great message about the church, but what about me? This applies to your life as well. You can't ever say, well, everything's great and I, and I don't need to rebuild. Hogwash. Every year, I don't matter how good it is. I don't care how well you've been blessed. I don't care how good things are in your life. You still need to build, rebuild, and keep moving forward with God. Even if it falls, we stick together. The God of heaven still prosper if you stand with him. Thank you for tuning in to Power of the Cross Radio. We hope these moments of inspiration have stirred your heart and uplifted your soul. Our mission is to share the timeless message of hope, love, and transformation that the cross represents. But we couldn't do this without you, our dedicated listeners. Your support breathes life into our broadcasts, enabling us to reach even more people with this powerful message. As you've experienced firsthand, the words spoken and the music played have the ability to touch lives and bring about positive change. If Power of the Cross Radio has become a source of encouragement and light for you, we kindly ask for your help in sustaining this ministry. Your contributions, whether big or small, make a significant impact in keeping this radio station on the airwaves. By partnering with us, you become part of a community that is spreading love, faith, and healing to all corners of the world. So please, consider supporting us financially, sharing about us with friends and family, and returning to listen. Let's continue this journey together, as we dive deeper into the profound message of the cross and its transformative power. Thank you for your unwavering support, and we look forward to having you right here with us again on Power of the Cross Radio. Remember, your involvement truly makes a difference. And until next time, stay blessed.